Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. China Sports Insider Podcast on the Syndicate Network. I am Hyde Valian, and in the studio is a visibly depressed China Sports Insider, Mark Dreyer. Why is Mark depressed? I have a feeling it has something to do with reports that NHL players aren't coming to the Beijing Olympics after all. We'll check in with our old pals of the Chinese national hockey team, who's in, who's out, Tennis player Peng Shui emerges, and Mark had a, a little scoop there this week. And then we'll finish with a chat with Olivier Grignard. He's a Belgian who's been coaching tennis in China for a decade. But we have to start with this. According to a couple of reports, NHL players will not be coming to Beijing to compete at the Olympics. Mark, the disappointment comes in, like, there's two different directions here. Crashing waves, I, crashing yeah, well, waves. Well, it also comes in crashing waves. <laughs> I mean, some, you know, absolutely. Did you go through anger, all the different I think phases? I'm at stage six right now, whatever that is, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. So, so at the point that we record it, they haven't an officially announced, but it's it's a done deal. They're not coming, and... Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's COVID-related. There were so many different angles, and we talked about it on the show last week, that the players might have decided to pull themselves out due to the misinformation uh, that was circling around in terms of the China quarantine rules and so on, and all these kind of scare stories. But it, it looks like that decision has been taken away from them. And the NHL, in their in their agreement to let the players come, they said, look, there's one thing that that if, we have, if COVID's too bad and we have to reschedule too many games then we're not going to be able to allow that three-week break because we're going to need that time to to, to reschedule the games. They've already had enough uh, postponements to, to make that, that, you know, to trigger that. So it's a done deal, whether or not they've announced it as of the time you're listening. So something like eight years since a best-on-best tournament and counting. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's really too bad. And a big part of the glitz and glamour of the Olympics is, is also gone. So that, you know, is that, is that going to put up, you know, sort of a bit of a pallor? on on the games do you think well you know perhaps a little bit too dramatic to say another nail in the coffin but um you know with with the covid restrictions it wasn't exactly going to be a joyful olympics anyway um but i was you know i despite the english accent i'm half canadian and so um you know hockey is somewhere in my blood deep down in in the uh, yeah <laughs> in the vessels uh, you know i love watching hockey i was really looking forward to to, to to watching the games you know working some 
some back channels to try and get tickets because we still don't know if people are going to be able to get tickets. And with with the virus, you know, kind of roaring around the world, unfortunately, the capacity may yet be limited even further than it was already going to be. Venues, the last we heard, are kind of somewhere between 20% uh, to, to one-third full for, for the indoor venues. Um, but honestly... Uh, they haven't released any official numbers, so it could be less than that. You know, speaking of misinformation, there's so much weird info just just floating around here in Beijing about, you know, whether tickets are going to be available, if they are going to be available, who's going to be able to get them, is it going to be state-owned enterprises, you know, people who work for state-owned enter- enterprises only. Uh, you know, it's it's just so funny, but the fact is we just we just don't know yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, that's true. One one of the things that I so I was reading Elliot Friedman's column uh, today about, about about this, and he you know, he was talking about how he thought there should be um, a World Cup of coffee, the uh, World Cup of hockey, yeah, organized World Cup of coffee, yeah, a World Cup of coffee. <laughs> this is what I need right now, obviously, um, <laughs> the, the the worldest cup of coffee that there is. But um, no, he, he he suggested that it should be a World Cup of uh, of hockey organized as soon as possible. It's just you know the World Cup of hockey is is great. It's better than nothing, but it always just has left me kind of like. Well, for me, for same. me, it appeals to hockey people. Uh, when hockey's at the Olympics, people from from other sports who aren't necessarily hockey fans will watch. And like I said, you know, it's it's they're not as big as you know when like the dream team goes uh, to basketball and so on, and the NBA players. But they're still big stars. And you know, whether you're a hockey fan or not, they are some of the most famous athletes at a Winter Olympics, which is already smaller than the Summer Games. So the glitz and glamour, such as it as as it was, has has definitely taken a big hit. So if 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 the NHL players aren't coming, yeah, I, we were talking about this a couple of days ago, and I loved your uh, suggestion for the Canadian team. Who sh- who should play for the Canadian team? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, so so right now, as as uh, you know, regular listeners to 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 the show will know, there's a whole bunch of Canadian players who are in the process of getting Chinese passports to play for Team China. They still haven't announced. We still haven't had the you know the official signing ceremonies where they sort of pose with their with their new Chinese passports. So maybe call them up because they're in the KHL who will be having the uh, the Olympic break, um, and they can, they can play for Canada instead of for China. Um, who knows? They're, they're going to have to the NHL. Well, the US and Canadian teams are going to have to look for probably European based players. Some people have said send the junior team because there's a the junior World Cup right now. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe they'll have some recently retired ex-pros. They've done that in the past. Uh, but they're kind of scrambling. They're going to be working the phone lines like crazy now because it's, what, a month and a half to go? Yeah. You know, one more question just about the NHL decision, though. My understanding was that they had until January 10 to make a decision without a financial pe- penalty. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's three weeks away. Why, why, why aren't... Aren't they going to wait just to see what what happens? Because there's so much uncertainty, and if there's already uh, so many games that have been cancelled, that they know they're going to have to reschedule, and they're looking at you know the calendar guys are looking at it and thinking, well, we only have so many days left in the season. They don't want to drag out the season any longer than it was. They've done that for the last uh, couple of years, and it's it's basically just a nightmare. And they also have scheduling difficulties because of course a lot of these arenas are where the, the NHL teams play. They share with with basketball teams. They they have a lot of concerts scheduled as well. So there's only a certain number of dates. So it is tricky, but um, massively disappointing <laughs> for, for us here, at least. So one group that may not be as disappointed is the national Chinese hockey team. Yes, and, the men's team. I yeah. mean, this is this is a huge result for them because 
They are, of course, in a group with the US and Canada and Germany. Now, all three of those teams have some, well, particularly the US and Canada, but but uh, Leon Dreisaitl from, from the German team, one of the best uh, forwards in the NHL right now, would have been facing Team China. So suddenly their games are looking dramatically better. Now, I should caution, I, I've spoken to a few people this week and, I, I, you know, hockey experts and sort of asked them, you know, well, how much better is it looking? And one guy in particular goes, well, they're still not going to score a goal. And I was like, really? Really that bad? Like, you know, I've been watching quite a lot of KHL highlights. They've got some good players. Now, it's obviously not at the same level. But given who they're going to be facing, these kind of European players, the team China basically is like a bad KHL team right now, if we're being honest. You yeah. know, that, that's where they are in the rankings in the Russian League. They're not the worst. They're not getting blown out all the time. They're keeping a lot of games close and winning some too. So... You know, they've got some uh, strength in depth is 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 not exactly a, a good point for them. But it'd be interesting to see how they do. I, I don't think they're going to win a game for sure. Um, but uh, they'll at least make it uh, a little bit more competitive than it would have been against the likes of Conor McDavid. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there was a, there were wholesale roster changes in their team uh, this week, weren't there? Yeah, and, and a little bit of friction there as well, I was hearing from, from a few people inside the camp because... A number of those players, about six or seven uh, players who thought they were going to be on the Olympic roster have been released. Some of those players have been with the Kunlun Red Star system for, for three to four years. They've basically, you know, given up what other career they, options they might have had, whether in hockey or elsewhere, to play for Team China. Now, I'm not saying just because they did that, they should get chosen. You've got to have a, a team on merit. But clearly they thought until very recently that they were nailed on to play in the Olympics. That was kind of going to be their dream. Um and so, difficult decisions. You know, on the other side, the Chinese authorities, they're also thinking, well, we need to give opportunities to, to homegrown youngsters. So, it, so it's a bit challenging. But um, there's still some uncertainty. We still don't know. You know, they're, they're playing the team right now. There's quite a lot of changes. Who's going to start? You know, particularly in Gold, there's some, some question marks there. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's sort of the consequence of not having a, a strategy from like two or three years ago that, that you would have had the players that you wanted possibly on that team and yes. they would have been playing together but yes. that's just not how it worked I mean out. the strategy was kind of laid out as you know um, but it was just disrupted so many times and the right. fact that that's they meant, yeah. the fact that they like we still don't know if they've actually done the, the paperwork to give them citizenship to make them qualify like it seems to be done they've announced basically this is our Olympic roster Yeah. Uh, but until the rosters are officially uh, submitted to the IOC and, and announced you know with with the double ihf approval who knows right but it, it's a lot of canadians there's a couple of russians in there as well um and i believe one or two americans as well as some some local chinese as well so a pretty international squad yeah but they do have the advantage that they've been playing together consistently at least this year which the new u.s and canadian teams will i mean they will be coming together last minute so six weeks from today yeah. basically yeah. is when we start crazy wow <laughs> so you you've you've had a really busy week this week a little bit yeah yeah, you've, yeah. Been, you've been you've been basically everywhere uh every, every time i look turn on the, <laughs> the television to turn on the radio or podcast there, there's there's mark my ugly face popped up oh yeah. come on <laughs> get out of you know face made for tv right there um so what, what have you what have you been up to i was talking uh talking to um to nbc about uh you know the latest um punk shui stuff oh and by the way, you weren't just talking to NBC. You were the absolute star <laughs> star of the show. Um, okay, so for the listeners, I, I don't want you to miss out. So here is the entirety of Mark's 
comments to uh, NBC's Today Show, by the way. This is their morning show. Here it is. This is a story with the Olympics around the corner that, that kind of ticks a lot of boxes in terms of, in terms of global headlines um, and sensitivities. We didn't have any technical error. That was it. What was <laughs> yeah. it? Five, six seconds. Can we play it again? Like maybe slow it down so it lasts uh, longer. You know, I, I'm sure. I, I gave them so many amazing insights, none of which we used. It was probably about 25 <laughs> minutes of interview, and I think six seconds got through. But hey, you know, I understand the pressures of uh, the Today Show, so um, you know, no hard feelings. And, and then you were, you were also on Reuters. Yeah, so Reuters were doing a piece on basically tennis in China, and um, particularly with the the WTA finals. Previously, was was in Shenzhen, and and how that was a huge big tournament for them. You know, what does that mean for 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 tennis in China, and and particularly the city of Shenzhen, because that was sort of seen at a local government level as a real showpiece event for them. Yeah, have you been to Shenzhen? Uh, yes, I have, but uh, not a regular visitor. Um, it's a bit, it's a big gap on my China. Yeah, you need to go. That lot, lot of lot of people have very good things to say about Shenzhen. I, I would love to go next week during the Christmas holidays, but I, I don't think there's going to be much yeah. uh, travel happening here. I don't think so. And it's f- yeah, cold, cold here. I'm so Warmer in Shenzhen. Uh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You, you might not get back. That's the no, problem. That, ex- exactly, exactly. And you, you were also on CGTN. That's right. I'm a total media whore. I will literally speak to anyone. <laughs> yeah. So it's quite, it's quite funny. It's quite, it's quite funny. They, 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 they messaged me and said, so do you, we want to talk about um, the success of China's hockey system um, uh, despite the uh, the lack of funding. And I thought, well, let's have some fun with this. I'm not quite sure what success they were talking about. And it's certainly been very well funded. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, that was possibly some wires crossed there initially because what we talked about was sort of inequality between men's and women's sports. And actually we talked not just about women's hockey, but we talked about um, you know, I was talking on CGTN about, about the WTA and women's tennis in China uh, and how they were sort of, uh, in fact, paid better with that Shenzhen tournament than the men's at their equivalent tournament at the point where that uh, the Shenzhen finals were, was announced. And the other and the other massive story, obviously, this week uh, was the Peng Shui story. Yeah. So so for people who had missed it, there was a cross-country ski event uh, in Shanghai over the weekend and Peng Shuai was sort of paraded out in front with, with Yao Ming and also Olympic sailing champion Xu uh, Li Jia and then a table tennis uh, uh, star, uh, Wang Li Qin. So there were kind of the four of them were chatting and then an interview with Peng that, that made her story, you know, right back in the top of the news cycle again. Right. With, with a Singaporean news outlet. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. So it's Chinese language, um, the, the uh, Lian He Zabao and uh, Singaporean um, paper. Well, and you had and you had a bit of a scoop there, and that that went viral on Twitter. Well, yeah. So it turns out it wasn't a reporter asking the questions; it was someone who's been working in their sales team for about the last five years. So, again, just I mean, look, there's so many different angles to talk about this story. Um, we've we've discussed a lot of them here on the show before, but but from a pure communications angle, like. It's just been so badly done from start to finish because I don't know who's behind this or kind of like advising like, let's put out this picture or this video or, or, or this email and think that it's going to be believable. It's, it's, you know, it's so badly done. And every time the story dies down globally, some Chinese state media or reporter puts out another picture or a video and then it's right back up at the top of the news cycle again. It's like, is that really what you want? <laughs> it's- I, I don't know. Yes. Again, I like don't. I said, lots of other angles, but I'm just like, w- what is going on? Who? What? What is someone thinking here? So we actually had a chance to talk to a tennis coach, Olivia Grignard. He's coached some really successful players here in China, uh, some of them who've been ranked really, really high in the world. 
And he came by with the player he's coaching right now, uh, Lu Jiajing. We tried to get her on the mic too, uh, but she was pretty shy. But you'll, you're going to hear her in the background a couple of times. And after the interview, I really geeked out. I mean, I, I <laughs> he really... Did. Said, he did, folks. Uh, oh, so, so I, I asked her, like at one point I asked her, or you asked her about, you know, what kind of tennis racket she uses. And that she was, said... You asked her. So, okay, so, okay, yeah, I, yeah, I, I asked her what tennis racket she said. And she what said, size grip, yeah. All that, no, she, all said, that, yeah. she said she uses a head, but she uses a babalat. And I said... Oh, I use a babalat. Like I am like that first of all that matters at all. Yeah. Or like I'm on any kind of level that she is on. She is she was ranked like something like 100 and yeah, she, well, she's been up to one uh, in the 160s in yeah, the world. Yeah, like, she's ab- been injured more recently, but absolutely amazing. We did not talk with her, but we did talk to her coach who who was I thought was really interesting. Here it is. Olivier, welcome to the China Sports Insider Podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you very much. Just give us a little bit of history as to your career in China. You've been here over a decade. Um, you started off in the north. You're now based in Beijing. Tell us what you've been up to. So it's been, yes, 11 years I'm here uh, in China. I started in, in Beijing, actually. I'm professional tennis coach uh, for a very good tennis player called Lu Jiajing here in China. Uh, and she's highest ranking. Her highest ranking is uh, 116.3 in the world. So you first came over with Carlos Rodriguez, well-known coach who, who previously coached with uh, with Linar. Exactly. Right? Yes. So what? How did that all happen? Like, uh, how did he? How did he bring you to China? So actually, the technical director of his academy contacted me. They, they mentioned that they will start to uh, open a professional tennis team in China. <laughs> And then just think about me and my friend asked me to, to come over to Beijing and I jump on the opportunity to working with uh, Carlos and uh, the team, actually. And more recently, you have your own academy here in Beijing. Why don't you just uh, introduce that a little bit and tell us what sort of age players that, that you, you coach and, and the, the ambitions and the goals that you have for the program? So, yeah, I just started my, my own little school here uh, in Beijing two years ago. We have two schools, uh, one in uh, Guamao area and uh, the other one in Shuni district. Uh, next year, soon, one in Chaoyang, actually. So we're running a tennis program for every age, every level, for everyone's willing to learn uh, tennis. So I'm trying just to create a method to uh, share my experience to uh, every beginner and, and tennis lover, actually, and, and try to have a fun way and nice way to, to learn tennis. I just want to go back to 2011 just for a minute, because that was that's a really special year in China, mm-hmm. because that's the year that Lina won the French Open. First of all, we, did you come before or after that happened? Yeah, just before. What, what impact did you see? After when she won that French Open, what happened in, in, in China in terms of like the excitement and the interest in, in tennis? Honestly, I didn't see so much difference. It doesn't have a huge impact. Uh, but I've seen during 11 years how China have learned and improved so much, actually. So I've seen the progress, but say because of Lina, uh, she won, you have much more enthusiastic tennis player. I'll see a, a big change from uh, the day she won and the, ne- the, the day after, nothing changed actually. So I've seen the improvement of Chinese tennis player and Chinese tennis uh, year after year after actually. So uh, I cannot really tell I have a huge impact. Um, it's, it's very special. Special and weird to say that actually. Of the women now in singles, there are real a couple of really exciting players to watch. Actually, more than a couple. Just outside of the top one hundred is as Wang Xinyu. She's twenty years old, and and in November she beat 
Emma Raducanu, who of course won the right. U.S. Open, right? And uh, Wang Siyu, she won mm-hmm. the U- Junior Women's uh, uh, U.S. Open in 2018. Do you, are you familiar with their games? Like, and 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 what is it that they have to do to make it to that sort of next level, to make it into the top 50, top maybe even top 20? I think both of them. I'm always confused with their name because their name are super yeah. similar. Yeah. I just compare <laughs> them with left hand and right hand. So what's the name of the the left hand like? When see you. Uh, she's very complete and and like she have a very good game, very good techniques, very good tactical and good mindset. I think she can go definitely very far, but I think she need to build up more confidence with herself. Unfortunately, during COVID nineteen, she couldn't play so much, and it was a critical age for her and and stage to make good results. So I don't know how how she will do, uh, but I I think she really much more increase her confidence on the court and out of court because she she should lead more i think uh, about once in you the the right hand player i think it's more about her tactics and uh, and techniques she's a super powerful girl so the she's hitting the ball like very very fast her ball is very heavy but her game is is very simple in some way so uh, she should learn more or, or, or change the game find more angles maybe change the rhythm like not only hitting hard but sometimes play a little bit more slow more high try to push backwards the opponent not only side to side so it's more about game plan actually do you know much about their individual setups like who their coaches are and where where they train are they more part of like the the national setup or they kind of have their own their own coaching no actually both of them have been educated by foreigners coach a lot actually so not too much uh, like chinese local coach of course they do have it for once you the right hand player uh, i know her father uh, was the director of chinese national team and he have a great experience as someone i respect a lot because he's doing very good job actually so I remember talking to you a few years ago, and I believe it was 2015 mm-hmm. uh, when when Coco Shu, who was right. a junior player, ranked number one in the world, and everyone thought, you know, this is this is the next Li Na. Mm. And of course, it doesn't always work that mm-hmm. way. Now, mm-hmm. what are some of the pitfalls that you see in these really really talented mm-hmm. junior and kind of sub junior players? What stops them? What's the difference between those who do make it to the top and those mm-hmm. who don't? I think have a great team. It's very important how I have the the right people who surround you. Uh, not only tennis coach, but having a great physical coach who not having injury to getting stronger. Good fee, uh, good physiotherapies as well. At this level, if you can afford and you should actually invest yourself to and invest in a, in physiotherapist, mental coach also. That's a, a big uh, game changer. And uh, I think great manager and great sports agents makes a difference. So have the whole package makes you going to another level. I think a lot of uh, top players, like once they, they break the top 200, they, they, have, they earn some money, but because it's so hard to earn the money, they prefer to saving money. So they are counting how much they are spending I speak generally, not only Chinese player, but they are really like scared to not having money for the end of the year or whatever for traveling. So they are they are counting like, okay, I should maybe not spending money for this and that. And so instead of investing in more, indeed, you, know, you stuff, need to right? invest your money in your team because your team that's what's make you stronger and going to another level. So uh, that's super important. From a more general perspective, do you see uh, differences in? 
some of the Chinese setups versus the international players? Or mm-hmm. has that gap decreased over the years that you've been in China? It's, it's very interesting. I think Chinese players are more fortunate in terms of, uh, of money. So like provincial team and like the club can have and sponsoring can give a lot of support to, to Chinese players. So that's very good, actually. So they can really make their dreams come true. But sometimes because like either the parents or, or maybe some people from the team, they don't have much clue about tennis. So they, they surround themselves with the the wrong people sometimes. And uh, they should be more careful who they are choosing, actually, and, and have a bigger vision. But it's not easy for them also because tennis is a new sport. So they're still learning and they still need to have more experience. And in the opposite side, for foreigners, like like for international athletes from uh, America or, or Europe, I think for, for them, they don't have enough money and they, they wish to have great team around them, but they, they're not spending so much, so they, they, they have more difficult. That's very interesting. In contrast to the success of the Chinese women mm-hmm. in world tennis, mm-hmm. and I had to do a double take. I was at the ATP rankings right mm-hmm. now and i was just looking for where the top chinese men's player is if i were to ask you to guess mm-hmm. what what would you guess is the highest ranked chinese man it's not Zhang Zhe anymore and i forget Zhang his Zhe name Zhe yeah Zhang Zhe Zhen, a That's guy right. from uh, yeah. from uh, shanghai i think yeah. yes do, do you know his ranking his ranking it was close of uh, hundreds maybe 130 140 140 well it may have been once but today right now when i checked it was 321 because virus mm. because he's not playing tournaments every every chinese player is dropping in the ranking so that relative lack of high level success why are we seeing more women in china mm-hmm. do well and and fewer men i think because like i always said it is a new sport the main problem right now i think we we should invest more in tennis coaching actually so like local coach should have more 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 knowledge to teaching because it's like for men it's very complex so you need to have very good techniques very good tactics very good mindset very good physical everything must be so perfect for men women you need if you have a strong shot one or two strong shots is enough but for men you they are playing good for everything right now. So strong forehand, strong backhand, strong serve, strong volleys, return. Everything is so strong. And I think right now, like some local coach don't have enough uh, knowledge how to teaching young generation um, properly, how, how to give them the right form, the right movement for forehand or backhand. So that, that's more a problem about education, how educate tennis coach in China. Right. And and I think we should also be more focused on the the foundation, on the young generation, like seven to nine years old, create strong foundation with mini tennis. Mini tennis is not developed enough. We should give more attention to mini tennis and, and build up their strong foundation. So moving kind of like maybe further down the ranks, you know, obviously you were you were at nationals a few months back with Lu Jiajing and, and mm. provincials. And what's that funnel look like? You know, I think in the old in the olden days, people would go around and say, right, you look like a tennis player. 
10 years from now, so you come with us. Now is it more about middle-class parents sort of saying, you know, tennis is good, let's give an opportunity to, to, to their children? Sports is a good opportunity for uh, like middle-class and poor-class actually because the government is supporting athletes from the very young age so they can sleep in the sports center, they receive food and they, they receive coaching so they don't need to be worried about anything. So even you are poor here in China, you still have the chance to make your dreams come true, which is wonderful. If you join the sports center, you play a few tournaments, they like you, you work hard, you show great attitude, they, they will support you step by step. And, and if you do more results, they will support you more. So it is a very good chance for a for Chinese player, actually, which we don't have in Europe. Because if you don't have money, you just cannot play. <laughs> very odd. One of the, the struggles that Chinese tennis has had, kind of, it's like finding the balance between mm-hmm. the support of that mm-hmm. state system. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, this has sort of been famously discussed with players like Lina. The support of the state system, but also the balance between having her own team and making her own decisions. Mm-hmm. Do you think the balance is kind of, is it just about right these days here? Like you, you talked about the support from the government, so that's sort of funding mm-hmm. a large platform. But then at that top level, mm-hmm. how, how do players know when to go from kind of one to the next, one system to the next, if, as it were? How to break after and, and going to, to another level, you mean? Yeah. Yes, I think create more experience, uh, surround yourself again, if you have the chance with better team, more coach, we have more experience. Now you, you even have more very good quality Chinese coach, actually. Some are, are very wonderful. And if you have the chance and if your team is agree, try to, to go aboard to practice. Let's say you go for a winter training, like one CNU and one CU now. They don't do winter training anymore here in China. Um, they will go either to uh, maybe IMG or Morato Glue Academy or some other clubs in Spain. So to build up more experience and play with other players, actually, I think that's the most important things. You talked about some of the the Chinese players struggling in the rankings just because they haven't been able to play a lot of tournaments over Mm -hmm. the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. That looks like it's going to remain the case potentially for at least 2022. Who knows Mm -hmm. beyond, right? What what do you think that's going to do? How much is, is Chinese tennis going to take a hit if tournaments aren't happening in China? Um, and if Chinese players aren't really able to go overseas to, to play tournaments as well? Well, I think they, they can travel. It's not a problem for traveling for, for Chinese players. Like now, like you see a lot of players, they're already outside to doing winter training. So it, it won't be too much a problem. Now I'm just a bit worried more about the, the vaccine uh, passport. How inter- international institutions want to recognize a Chinese vaccine this is one of the main problem. Like Jing receiver, my player receiver a certain type of vaccine who's not approved by the Australian government and she's not allowed to play in Australian Open. So that's quite unfair for Chinese player. The quarantines, like you, you need to do your two weeks quarantine, so your three weeks quarantine, I think you can handle that. So that's not too much a problem for players because if you compete for four weeks, you still need to make a little break. So one week, two break, does not affect too much. But how is going on for Chinese vaccine right now for Chinese players? That's pretty unfair. Olivier, what's next for you? 2022, as we said, it's going to be pretty restricted in terms of tournaments mm-hmm. here. And then so both next year and, and, and further, further down the line, uh, mm-hmm. how do you see things going? I think I'm very, uh, I'm not famous coach, but I have my own experience and I've achieved a lot of dreams already. 
But um, there, I still have one more dream is to try to bring Jing to the top 100. That will be my most beautiful achievement because the dream that I have is bring someone from the scratch to the top 100 as tennis coach. I think just like uh, having shortcuts, you switch players to player, you, you can make it happen. Uh, I think it's quite easy. If you're good, you can just catch the opportunity to coach another player. But I'm not a coach like that. I enjoy the process. I, I'm also someone loyal and, and I really want to go through that process from the scratch to the top to understand that whole process, how it's working on. And, and if I understand it, this process, I believe I could repeat that with other players and this experience will make me a stronger tennis coach. So you're often uh, at the Kerry Center courts in, in Beijing. Can, mm-hmm. uh, can people come find you there? Can, can, uh, are the training sessions open to, to, to the public? Yes, definitely. I mean, uh, I'm coaching also. I'm uh, helping my school and, yeah. uh, and, and Jing, her sister, also sharing experience to young kids. And uh, we, we are all there to supporting kids and, and, and young generation and even adults, actually. So uh, we, we are really here to help and, 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 and support people, actually. So, yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming in. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, guys. Well, that's the show this week. Thanks again to Olivier Grignard. Mark, we have some pretty amazing guests coming up. We do. Uh, we've got some Olympians. We've got some uh, some international uh, superstars. One of China's uh, hot young talents as well. I'm not going to mention any names until we get them on the show, but we're just uh, trying to sort out the logistics at the moment. Uh, we had Stefan Marbury, of course, last week. If you, if you haven't listened to that one, please uh, uh, take a listen to what he had to say. It was great to talk to him again. Uh, but yeah, very exciting time. And um, people listening, if if they have suggestions about what what who they want us to talk to, who you want us to talk to, you know what what we should be talking about, please uh, please let us know in the comments. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and if you're listening on Spotify, they've just added the ability to to rate the show and add comments. So if you're listening on Spotify, you can um, leave us a comment there. We will read them. Uh, and <laughs> and and if you're listening on, on Apple Podcasts, it's so easy to give us five stars and leave a comment. A couple of you have already left some comments. We really appreciate it. If you like this show, check out some of the other great shows on the Seneca Network. You can find me on twitter.com slash and Mark. Yeah, Dryer China, D-R-E-Y-E-R China um, on Twitter as well. Okay, so we will be back next week. Thank <laughs> you.